You're still on mute. All right, there we go. Sorry, my um, AirPods were not unconnecting. They kept trying to connect, so I had to fix that. Welcome to technology so. in 2021. Uh, and welcome to my Summer Lair Space Station Oddity. Today's topic is top five monsters. Horror-related, horror horror-ish sci-fi horror monsters mm -hmm. which is not really the whole title it's just the top five monsters i am not a monster but i am sammy uh i might be a monster i'm stephanie all right you you're generally pretty sweet <laughs> i don't think you're a monster but i could also be wrong so uh... i have my moments i mean i'll call a spade a spade i mean i i i can throw down with the best of them if need be that i believe that I totally, fully, fully believe. Um, yeah. So we are talking about monsters because, of course, it's uh, Halloween, October, that fall, wonderful season. It's best time of the year, really. Um, in your face, Christmas. So we are going to start with our top five monsters, and I'll have you go first. What is your one of your all-time favorite monsters? Okay, so here's the thing. I know that when you, you know, before we had to you know before we got on the mic today and when you and mm. i were talking about it we were talking about like not necessarily monsters in the strictest sense but like you know is you know is it jason or is it the thing like specifics you know mm -hmm. but the thing is is like i actually want to start with a generalization because i've got a thing for vampires because i am that basic bitch okay. i'm just saying <laughs> right. i'm like i I okay, so I was a huge, huge fan of Buffy, and when I say a huge fan of Buffy, we've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking going back to the movie. Mm -hmm. So then there was the movie, and then there was the TV show, you know. And then, but it's just like, like it's it, there's so many different ones that I'm always just like such a fan of. So I was a fan of True Blood. I was a fan of the Vampire Diaries. I will freely admit that mm -hmm. I jumped on the Twilight bandwagon <laughs> when it was, you know. So I, you know, I'm I'm that person. I don't it is i i actually don't like the concept of living forever i think it sounds um freaky i yeah. don't know if i would want to live forever i don't want to know if i want to see what the world looks like in 100 200 years mm -hmm. 5000 years whatever but there's just there's something fascinating to me about vampires you know the whole like they're allergic to this you know and it's like the it's the what was the word i was trying to think of what was i was thinking of when i was like thinking of this specifically before but it was like there's tropes tropes is the word there are certain tropes that that go from vampire to vampire depending on where they're from you know everything from Bram stokers to to buffy to um uh to, to any of them blade blade there you go um uh, they've got the fangs mm -hmm. they're usually um Allergic to the sun. Mm -hmm. um, stake through the heart. Although that one, that one is not a Twilight one. But then again, 
I think the only thing that I most most of most of Twilight is not I I, I don't even know if I would classify them as vampires. Um, there's the, there's things that the sticks of the heart. There's the immortality. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things, but then that's where, you know, but then it's, but then it's everybody's origin, their take on it. You know, mm-hmm. there's always at least one instance in any, especially the TV series, um, TV series, you know, like sh- shows instead of movies where, you know, they become day walkers in blade. I'm like, that's his whole thing is that he's a day walker, half human, half vampire. Yeah. And then how is it that they what makes it so that they can be a daywalker, you know, like what gives them this ability? Um, you know, like in true blood, it was the main character, Suki Stackhouse. It was drinking her blood. You would give you all by short period of time, the ability to walk in the sun, you know, and in, you know, both on Buffy and on vampire diaries, it was, um, it was a ring, although it was a much bigger deal on Buffy, like have like one at one, two episodes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just I don't know. I'm like I think, I mean, I'll freely admit to it. I have read countless, countless fan fictions, so I'm obviously that kind of person who likes, who likes a specific something, and then wants to see how many different ways you can you can take it and go somewhere with it, and all the different creative ways that you can utilize it. Mm-hmm. So I think like I just zombies I are the same way. Particular favorite. Yeah, zombies are the same way, right? Like, it's just this thing that just kind of keeps showing up in movies and TV shows and comic books. And vampires are the same way, where they, they show up constantly in different iterations. And like you said, from Buffy mm-hmm. to Blade. So, but one of the things that's interesting about vampires, and you didn't acknowledge it, and I'm curious how, what your uh, position is or your perspective on this is, one of, th- one of the themes that runs through, constantly runs through vampires, is the idea of class. The old school vampires had a lot of castles. They were quite wealthy. Uh, even the the mm-hmm. vampires in Blade had a certain like nobility, like kind of like a mafia nobility. Uh, they were of course very mm-hmm. wealthy. Um, but in the last few years as well, we've also seen kind of like this kind of, I guess, slumming vampire. Like we've had stuff like the Lost Boys, who were clearly not necessarily mm-hmm. quote unquote rich, but they were also I guess like <laughs> working class vampires, I guess for lack of a better term. Yeah. So how do you how do you square how do you uh, deal with uh, like the the class aspect of vampires, which kind of does run through a lot of vampire uh, literature and TV shows and movies? Um, it's interesting because it, it, it is actually funny that you say that because in a lot of ways. You have to look at, well, how did they acquire their wealth, you know, in some of them um, in things like Interview with a Vampire. And I think, no, I think Bram Stoker's right. I think if I remember, it's been a while. It's been a minute since I've watched that movie or or read the book. I think he already, the castle was already his. Like, it was his originally. But, like, so going to, you know, sometimes in True Blood, sometimes, you know, in Interview with a Vampire and some of these other ones, they acquire these things through um you know it's shady you know Mm -hmm. it's shady how they acquire the things Mm -hmm. how they acquire their wealth you know it's like using their vamp using their vampirism to an advantage to get it where in some other ones it's like they've been living they've been living so long they've managed to you know naturally invest properly yeah yeah so you know and it and so it's kind of like i don't really see it too different than humans although what i find interesting is that for the vampires who especially the ones who acquire it in 
shadier ways Mm -hmm. tend to treat it like entitlement, which is actually very, very, it's, that's very human thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, people who either come into wealth quickly, um, don't know how to handle it, or people who will lie, cheat, and steal to to keep the money that they have tend to be the ones who have the most elitist attitude, the most, you know, the most flash, the most like, I deserve to have this and I should have this. You know, whereas people who either, um, they're just, they've, they've had their wealth for so long, they're kind of, you know, they're or old school wealth, or it's just sort of been like good investments and good business practices or whatever it is, tend to be a little bit more, well, not like that. And so it's it the, the human nature aspect of it where class comes in, um, it's, you know, you, you, so you mentioned you're like the whole, like some of like the working class vampire versus one who on, on Buffy, the two main males uh male vampire leads so there was angel and there was spike are basically the two sides of that coin that you're talking about um now you know the angel actually had a mansion that he lived in he did seem to you know i think he acquired his wealth through you know like investments and all that kind of stuff um i I don't think it was ever really talked about on the show but that was kind of like that was the implication whereas spike was very much the lie steel kind of vampire even after he got his soul back he was still you know shady (laughs) af and so and but the dichotomy in their personalities you know the spike spike very much came across like he was entitled to a lot of things Mm -hmm. a lot of things he just felt should be given to him and even when angel lost his soul in season two um he still didn't like that kind of stuff the class, the wealth, the, 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 that level of whatever. I'm like, he never acted like that, that like he was entitled to that. That was never a focus of his, you know, on either side of it. So it's, I guess it really just depends on, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's such a human thing. It's nature that comes through in these characters. And it makes you wonder, it's like, you know, it's like you have this money. It's like you live to be, a, you live an extra hundred years or 500 years or 5,000 years. You know, it's, you get to a point where it's like, like, how do you even, how do you, how do you even view money? How do you view wealth? How do you, do you just, is it just a thing that you like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I guess, I don't know. It's protection it's as well. Like it's I don't know how to expand on it past that. It's protection as well. Like there was an article a few years ago that, um, and it might be just exaggerated for the sake of media, but LeBron James spends $1 million, roughly $1 million a year on his body in terms of like getting a nutritionist and a a shooting coach Mm -hmm. and like different uh, regiments and like uh, sauna in his house and all those kind of things, right? Like any sort of physical, emotional, mental kind of thing, he's spending collectively a million dollars. Um, and that's partly so that he can play longer and play better for uh, mm-hmm. than traditional NBA players who get their knees shot after like five years, seven years, or whatever, maybe. But that's what really kind of it echoes a lot of what vampire vampires need the money because they have their la- their lifestyle is a little bit weird, so they need a lot more protection, right? So they're like 
mm-hmm. the LeBron James of horror, where they need to spend a million dollars a year, <laughs> right? Because they some some of them can't go out in the sun. They need to like either be in a castle or some sort of place where that's not quite accessible. Uh, so they need protection. It's basically like a celebrity, a lifestyle, right? Where you're like in the culture, part of the culture, but not really in the culture. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And you know, it's interesting. You like like what you were just saying. It makes me think of. Um, I want to say it was actually season two of True Blood. They um they went to they were they they had some business in Dallas. You know they were in Louisiana and then mm-hmm. they went to a vampire hotel, and the level of security at the hotel, which is interesting to think because you know it's like when you think about vampires, you know it's they they kind of are their own security in a lot of ways because they are they're superior. They mm-hmm. are the next level up on the food chain. But you're right. At the same time, it's like they have limitations that humans absolutely can take advantage of. But then also you have this, you give off the, you give off the, this aura of wealth, of class, but also living forever and never aging. So can you just imagine like, like you would need security just to keep the humans away who are trying to obtain what you want. And you think all you, you're the person, you can just give it to them. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've read an article, I've read a few articles about lottery winners yeah, and how people tend to treat them like it's not their money. And people who would never in a million years come knocking on their door, literally come knocking on their door. Total strangers will knock on their door and beg for help, mm-hmm. you know, um, Whereas somebody who is wealthy, but acquired their wealth, you know, they through work or whatever it is, or even family, it's like, they don't get treated that same way, Mm -hmm. you know, but like total strangers, like family will just start moving closer because, and they'll just expect it. You know, it's like your friends will, you know, your, the, the level, the weight of your friendship is all of a sudden contingent on how much money you're going to give your friends and Mm -hmm. family and all that, you know, whereas before it's like, I didn't need to give you money to, to have your friendship, but now you're like, well, we're friends. So if you're going to be, you know, it's like you won. So I just expect you to give out this money. It's kind of the same thing. It's like you're a vampire. It's like, all you have to do is bite me and turn me into a vampire. It's like, I just, I expect it of you. It's like, you should just give this to me. And it's like, but it doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yours. You know, they even did, they even had that actual very thing happen on an episode of Buffy in season two, where like a, a human had approached Spike and he's like, like basically like, was half expecting him just 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 expecting him make me a vampire um and that whole idea of this is yours and this is and for all intents and purposes vampirism is an affliction it was done to you um you know and but then all of a sudden it, it so it's the same thing it's like you didn't you didn't go out and earn this wealth through lottery it was like it was it was given to you you know it was put upon you because you bought a ticket or won or whatever you know so it's like it's like well because it wasn't it's not it's not something that you created it's something that you made for yourself you know like becoming a vampire it's like you should just be willing to give it to anybody mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah it's like that whole thing like with the you know the security it's like it's almost like you need that like you said it's like you need that level of wealth just to protect yourself you know even if you are higher up on the food chain exactly so I want to stay with, uh, I, I also cheated as well. I have a species as well. I guess vampires are a species. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. I'm not really sure what they are. Um, and I have a species. And it actually also ties into this discussion we're having on wealth and class, which is the alien species in They Live. Uh, 
<laughs> the John Carpenter uh, movie. Because uh, that thing was, mm-hmm. those things were frightening. What it was, was if nobody's seen it, like, obviously you need to do your homework and, like, that's, like, a must-see movie. But um, the uh, Rowdy Piper, the wrestler, whose name was in the movie was Nada, which is nothing, uh, he, he he discovers that these he could put on these sunglasses. Um, and when he would put them on, the entire world would go black and white. Uh, so there's your theme, first theme already. And then it would also reveal like subliminal messages in uh, the media. So you would see a normal uh, like poster ad for a computer or a movie or something like this. But when you put the sunglasses on, it would have these messages like consume, reproduce, conform. And the worst part of it was that the glasses also revealed that many people were actually alien with these like skull-like faces. And there's one... Uh, the aliens don't have a name in the movie. It's just the alien species. But there's one scene that was really unsettling is when I first watched it as a kid. And it was uh, Roddy goes into a, um, a supermarket and he puts on the glasses. And so you see mm-hmm. the aliens just doing normal things like shopping. They're buying cereal, checking fruit to see which one's ripe or not ripe. Which one. Like they're doing the exact same human things. But they're, it's because mm-hmm. you only, he has the glasses. He can see who they are. Right, whereas most people yeah. can't, and so that was the frightening thing. Was like the world looks ordinary when he takes the glasses off, but when he puts them on, it reveals the true nature of the world. Hmm. That's funny, actually, because just last night, so me and my roommate are doing uh, well, a watch for me because I only saw like an episode here, there when it was originally on, but a rewatch, but multi, several levels deep rewatch for him of um. Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. And just last night, we watched an episode where like the, there was all these afflictions happening to the crew, and it was oh, who's the one who first discovered it? Oh, the Seven of Nine mm-hmm. discovered that when she looked at it from a certain perspective, I think like she had to be like her her uh, ocular eye, whatever. ocular implant or whatever. It, yeah, thank you. She she could see that there was this alien species that was like just like just like slightly off in subspace that was doing experiments on them. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like, like to everybody else, it just like, it looked normal. And then, the, and then you see these, then she looks and there's, there's these, these um, aliens that are literally putting these, what look like massive um, acupuncture needles, like massive ones into Janeway's head. No one else can see them. No one knows they're there. But it's like all these things that are happening to people. It's like it's fascinating that whole like that's terrifying to me. Yeah, you know that's that why I put them on the list. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like all of a sudden you look around. It's it's one of those thoughts I always had. It's like okay, so what I perceive as blue, what the whole world perceives as blue, is outside of human eyes. Mm-hmm. Is it actually blue? Like it's like and there's no and there's no way to actually know that you know it's like there's no way to actually see it from a perspective other than your own eyesight right. but it's like like what if the sky is actually like bright yellow or mm-hmm. like or red or or green but our eyes perceive that differently now technically speaking i was like no blue is blue like like what we perceive to be blue is what we have designated as blue but like what if it looks different like outside of what our eyes are seeing mm-hmm. and is that whole kind of concept was like what does the world look like outside of what our eyes visually see like does it even exist outside of what our eyes visually see and it's like that it's like i just just i'm looking around and i'm like oh my god what if there's like aliens <laughs> i mean i know i have a ghost in my apartment but i mean like what if there's aliens <laughs> That way I have a bad day sometimes because they're doing experiments on me. 
Well, this is the thing. And then it becomes harder to, to convince people. Like in They Live, he was only able to see it because he had the uh, the sunglasses, right? Seven of Nine was yeah. only able to see it because she had the ocular implant. So it's a very similar device. But it's like, how do you then go around telling people? Like, you just you can't give the glasses to everybody. You don't know how, what, how they work or they don't work. So you can't just like mass manufacture them or whatever, as if the aliens are not going to stop you anyways. So then you become stuck yeah. in this weird thing of like, you you saw too much and now you can't unsee it too right that's the other part of the horror is like everyone else who was living in that world was happy and they were they didn't know they were getting subliminal messages they didn't know that like they that this alien race had taken over and was like using global warming to make the earth like their own planet and like the humans were going to be destroyed nobody had any clue except for this one dude named nada right so it's like that information as well is horrifying because it's like you can't get rid of it. It's with you forever. Yeah. Have you ever had it? Is there anything that you've ever watched in a horror movie? Like, like just be one scene or one whatever that affected you for the rest of your life? Yeah. The 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 shower scene in um, Shining. So now when I go into like a bathroom, whether it's one of my own or like I visit a friend or something like this, I have to make sure that the shower curtains pulled back <laughs> like this kind of weird OCD horror trait or something like that. Uh, so that's it. Mine is the movie House. Is it called House? Yeah. Yeah. The one with the the, the hand that just pushing the doorbell. Not yeah yeah that's the cover but like but it's like but but it was the it was seeing it was seeing the monster in the it was in a mirror okay now here's the thing I saw this movie was it in the eighties mm-hmm. like I saw it I was a kid like a yeah. kid kid when I saw this movie but I do remember specifically I was living I we were living in the house my parents live in now so I had to have been at least eight years old because that's when we moved from this condo from when I was for the the uh, you know as I was born in. And so I had to have been at least eight years old, but I was really young when I saw this and I saw it by myself and get tripped over it one night on TV. And it was, and, and I saw it pop up on, I think I actually saw it on, like I was skimming through Shudder a couple of days ago and I think I thought I almost turned it on and then didn't. <laughs> but so I don't know remembering it correctly, but I very specifically have this memory of seeing the, mon- seeing the, the, the monster, whatever he was in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't, and, and we've all seen like like the whole like mirror thing, like seeing something in a mirror that isn't there. It's like that's not new. Yeah. But for some reason, stuck with me for so long that, and also I think it was in the third Poltergeist movie. The way he, the way the the Poltergeist was like, she was walking down the hallway, and every time the mirror like broke to the next mirror pane, like you saw him pop up in every single oh, one. Yeah. I not handle mirrors that face each other and go into infinity that freaks me out to no end mm-hmm. and then also the way my parents house is structured that when you that there's a it's a when you get to the top of the stairs there's a hallway that goes from the front of the house to the back of the house and in the back of like there's a doorway on either end that leads to a different room well in the back where my parents where the master bedroom is where my mom's vanity sits the mirror reflects directly down that hallway and I cannot tell you how many times I had to, like, avoid looking at it. Because if the hall light was on, but mm-hmm. that bedroom, which was my room, like, at the other end of the hall, if that light wasn't on. So it looked like just, like, like bright light that leads into, like, pitch black. 
terrified me to no end. And still to this day, if for any reason my parents are not like, if I'm staying at my parents, I'm at parties. I'm staying at my parents' house. <laughs> no one's home. I can't look in that mirror. I cannot look at the van. I cannot look at that vanity mirror because like those specific things have like just like unmoored me for the rep for my entire life. Yeah. Mm-mm, nope. 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 I, that's. I think that's why I couldn't turn on house because I was like, like if I watch this movie, I'm like, is it going? <laughs> is it gonna? Am I going to remember it the same way or like, is it going to like, how is it going to be? And I'm like, I couldn't turn it on. I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want to watch it and then go, okay. Like I was justifiably terrified, you know, as opposed to just being like, okay, well you were a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. in it, you should have that young. I don't know when I, I, I keep thinking I'm going to turn it on and watch it. And I still am still not able to pull the trigger. <laughs> it one stays day. with you. One- yeah, because one of my other monsters, it doesn't like necessarily terrify me as much as that hallway mirror, but it's Freddy Krueger, which is because he, he he does two things. One is he attacks you in your dreams, which means you have to sleep, right? Like there's like with like yeah. Jason, for example, you can just leave the forest, right? You can leave uh, Crystal Lake and, and then you could just go and you can go like to like Milwaukee or something and then you'll be safe. Right. Uh, with Michael Myers, I know the mythology has changed a little bit, but if you're like outside of Haddonfield, you're generally okay, <laughs> right? Like, but with Freddy Krueger, you have to fall asleep. And then the worst part is, as the kind of mythology for the for Freddy Krueger kind of evolved, he would kill you based on the way that like some of the things that you like. So there was a guy who liked comic books, and so he would put the guy in a comic book and then gut him and kill him in the comic book. So he's using the stuff that you like to take you out in your dream. I'm like, that's super rude. Like, if you're just going to do it, just kill him. Like, just Jason. Just kill the person. Don't use the person, the thing that the person likes to kill them. That's mean. I'm telling you, I was like, he's going to kill me by, 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 like, decapitating me with the Captain America shield. That's what would happen. <laughs> and it would be Cap that does it. Or, yeah. or no, knowing Freddy, it would be Freddy in the Captain America, like, costume in the oh, outfit. Yeah. And throw it at me and kill me. Yeah, with a pun yeah. about decapitation. Yep, yep, yep. Which I still think is something that happened in Captain America too, mm-hmm. but it happened so fast. I actually, see it, but that's a conversation for another day. All right. Um. Anyways, no. One of my one of my others is um. We've talked. We've I, that, we talked about this one last week because it was on my list. Is uh Chucky Child's Play? Yeah, but just Child's Play. I. I, I mentioned this. I hated every movie after that, but Child's Play, and especially because I was a kid when that came out, and we had talking dolls. Like we had, mm-hmm. gosh, do you remember Teddy Ruxpin's? Yep. Like, like I can't look at the. I can't look at talking dolls. I'm like mm-hmm. because all I think is like the life murder me in my sleep. That's just gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the new Child's Play, uh, Chucky TV show, like. There's yeah. a couple of scenes. I watched the first episode only, but there's a couple of scenes where like this lady will pick up the the, the, the Chucky doll and she'll treat it roughly. She's treating it like a doll. She kind of throws it around, or whatever. I'm like, oh, you're next. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's the same thing. And I'm like, I was like, I was like, I and I and I am definitely one of those people that I'm like, I am very very gentle and like loving with my non sentient things. Like I have a I have a stuffed dog that I've had for years and i'm like i'm so gentle with it i'm like if i have to it's like i travel with the thing because i'm that person but like i all have to put it in my bag because you know it's like i gotta pack and i'm like i feel so bad i will like fold up this like stuffed dog and shove it into my backpack and i'm like i'm like such i'm like i am such an asshole i'm like this (laughs) like 
He does not deserve to be shoved in a backpack. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, it is not a sentient creature. Yeah. <laughs> it does not. Like, but it might mm-hmm. be. And you know what? You know what doesn't help the whole, this whole argument, which isn't a horror movie, but just still kind of makes it worse is toys. The movie toys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like that. Is he saying that? Yeah. They're all sentient beings and you, you just, the human eyes can't see it. So, you know, you know, it's like, so there's bound to be, it's like, even, even in the toys, mm-hmm. it was crazy. I was like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I want to stay with stuffed animals uh, and talk about Norman Bates. That was another one that like terrified me too. Uh, the original cycle from 1960. Um, because there is that one classic scene where he says we all go a little mad sometimes. I can't do the impression impression of it. But it's terrifying because he's really talking about his mother, who of course we find out is really kind of him and the mother's dead and all that kind of jazz. But he, he says at one point that it's not like she's a maniac. And his line was, she's not a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Like, And then he says, haven't we, you, we all do that, right? That scene is yeah. like one of the cre- I'm like I'm out of this hotel. I'm checking out. Like that scene is so disturbing the way uh Perkins delivers it and the way that Hitchcock and everybody lights it and shoots it. It nothing actually happens. And it's like obviously there's all the the shower scene and all the other things that happen later on. But it's just it's very reminiscent of the you like this one, The Shining with Jack Nicholson, right? All work yeah. and Jack make uh all work and no play make Jack a dull boy, right? A very ordinary line, and we can sometimes say it at work and, and funny and jokes and stuff like that. But the way that it's delivered in like The Shining and like this way in in uh, Psycho, where it's like yeah, we all go a little mad sometimes. Very ordinary line, but the way it's delivered and the way that it's shot, it's like, oh, I'm out of this place. I'm out. This that's horrifying. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you're right. And it's like the fact that it's like you know talking about his character in The Shining, you know. It is just, right. It's one line. It's very ordinary, but it's the only line in this entire manuscript, and it's written like a manuscript. I mean, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it looks like he's going off into chaotic writing, mm-hmm. but there are boxes. She's flipping through the pages. There are actual pages in there that look like dialogue breaks and like written like he's writing a novel, but that's for all we know because I don't think this is, I don't remember this from the book. Um, and I, and I know it's not in the movie, but like he, because that was from like line one from the minute he got there. And so like, you got to wonder, it's like in his head is telling a story. Like, like he, he doesn't, he doesn't know that he's writing this. He doesn't know that he's writing this over and over again. And he's like, he's has a whole story that's being recounted, you know? And it's like, and that's why it gets written. And it's just like, it's unnerving. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily scary it's not even necessarily it's just it's unnerving so norman bates it's unnerving yeah it's like you are that serial killer that has a like an absolute nuclear family that is like a totally normal family mm-hmm. like those serial killers that have existed where it's like they have these like two separate lives where they're a complete and utter psychotic sociopathic serial killer and he's got a wife and three kids yeah and no one knows. I'm like, it's just unnerving to think that like, it's the same person. It's the same line. It's like, it's like, it's just, you're like, this normal is completely psychotic and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So, 
mine actually sticking in line with um, humans that go psycho, that go crazy. <laughs> uh, my next is actually the little boy from Pet Cemetery, the original Pet Cemetery movie, not the remake a couple years oh, ago. Gabe. The original boy after he comes back from the dead. Yeah, Gabe. That. Right? Yes, Gabe. That kid. Mm -hmm. I never really looked into what became of him, the actor, the kid, the you know, in the real world, because I don't want to know if he actually became unhinged. <laughs> because the little kid was what, like four? Yeah. Five, something. He was very, very young when they filmed it. And I'm like, and he's still just the way he just the way he portrayed that crazy basically practically demon possessed evil mm -hmm. version of their child i will never unsee that i will never unsee that like that thing where he takes the scalpel and cuts the back of his ankle i'm like i feel that just yeah, thinking yeah. about it and just the look of pure evil on that kid's face i'm like i was like it reminds me of um, uh, Macaulay Culkin. What was that movie? Home Alone? The Good Son. Oh, yeah. No, The Good Son. <laughs> the one he did, <laughs> yes. did when he was a kid with... Um, no, but the one he did when he, when he was a kid, he did it with Elijah Wood. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if they were like... I think they were cousins or something, and Elijah Wood's parents died, and he went to live with his... You know, yeah, his aunt and his cousin and... You know, and she has to do the whole, like, Sophie's Choice at the end. And she, you know, and she totally lets her kid die because she realizes he is absolutely pure evil. Mm -hmm. It's that whole thing. You not do that as well as you do. You are way too young to be able to act that evil. Yeah. But that kid, that kid, that kid from Pet Cemetery haunts my nightmares. I couldn't. Um, so that and, I, I don't know. I think, I think I've definitely got a thing for stuff that affects children or childhood and like it, you know, like, like Chucky and the kid from pet cemetery and, you know, just stuff like that. Just, I don't know. There's just something about it that I think makes it extra scary to me. You like them small too. Like you can step on them. Why is that terrifying? Because it's like a cat. Cats get under feet and a cat can trip you. And if you fall wrong, it'll kill you. Yeah. All right. Well, cats are crazy though. It's cute. I'm looking at my cat right now, and he's he's giving me he's giving me the eye. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> he tries to trip me every. Um, but yeah, I, and I and it's something like that. I mean, I you, yeah, it's like actually, it's a good point, man. Because like you know, when they're you, if it's big, you can see it coming. Mm -hmm. When it's small, you can't. Yeah. You know, I mean. That little kid in the pet cemetery, when he when he uses the scalpel to cut open the guy's when he slashes the guy's ankle, uh, Herman Munster's ankle to be mm -hmm. specific. <laughs> yes. You know he's hiding in a small space, mm -hmm. and you know, and that, it's like you they can hide in small spaces. They can they can be hiding in places you can't see, which almost goes back to what you were talking about with um, they live. It's you know. It's right there in front of you, and you can't see it. Yeah. Well, they're right in front of you, and you can't see them because they can go in places that you can't get to. 
that's why my my other one is is also the same thing in terms of dealing with the ordinariness, right? Which is Hell Nine Thousand from Space Odyssey two thousand and one. Uh, oh God, yes, that hell. That thing freaks me out. Yeah, it's he's a psychopath. Well, it's a psychopath, I guess. Oh. He or it or whatever you want. I don't know what the gender is for the computer, but yeah, like. It, it's it's again it's just like it's very ordinary and when the movie starts and stuff like that they're playing chess with it it's very like it seems very benign but then as the movie goes along it starts even doing that creepy thing where it starts to lip read and things like that like things that they didn't realize that it could do it they re- didn't realize it had adapted and so that's also the thing too where like where like when something's that ordinary and that like in in um like doing it in front of you Right. That's the one thing that people kind of get annoyed with with Donald Trump was he does. He commits all his crimes out in public. <laughs> he doesn't do it like behind boardrooms or anything like this. He's like, we're doing this now in public. Right. And that's what, how much very much how Hal 9000 operates. It's like I'm doing it in public. He doesn't have enough mm-hmm. uh, like artificial intelligence to know that he should be plotting in secret and doing these kind of things. So he does it in public in front of you. That's absolutely terrifying. Um, That whole concept of you don't realize how screwed up something is because you can't it's such a slow build mm-hmm. um, that's like that's like like you could look at like the whole opening to um poltergeist that way like there's all these like weird things happening in the house but they were so benign mm-hmm. you know they were like which i always thought was funny is like what you know why is she why was the mother so fascinated by what was happening in the kitchen, you know, sliding her daughter across the floor and all that kind of stuff to not go, okay, this is bad. This is not good. This is bad. And it, and it's, you know, they're, they're not taking it seriously. It's like, and it slowly starts getting worse to the point, you know, but then all of a sudden it, it happens so quickly. It goes from everything is very benign, very whatever. And then she gets taken and you can't get to her Mm -hmm. at all. And then they're in a swimming pool with skeletons. Real ones. Apparently. <laughs> Real skeletons. <laughs> like, you know, it's you. It's those things that just happen around you, and you don't realize that they're happening until it's too late. That's mm-hmm. terrifying as well. Yeah. I, you're you brought up zombies earlier, and like all the different ways of zombies. And what one of the things that immediately made me think of is. I think it's from, I think it's from I Am Legend. They're not zombies in the traditional sense. Like, they don't die and come, you know, you know, like, like they're basically, they're not walking dead per se. It's, mm. it's, it's, they are, it's what happened. Like, the, I think it was like they found the cure for cancer and it turns out that the cure for cancer actually turns you into a zombie-like creature. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it something similar in um, uh, Zombie? Didn't they like? I forget. I'm blanking on how they became zombies in Zombieland. Um, I can't remember because like either, they yeah. don't. Huh? I can't remember how the zombie apocalypse started in Zombieland either. But for some reason, I'm thinking it, like for some reason, I, it feels like it's something similar. Like something like it's a plague. Mm-hmm. It's not actually you know. I, there's you know, it's just a little bit different. But it's also. You know, it's, it's that thing like you, you think this is good. Like how, you know, you think this is good. You think it's helpful. You think it's, you know, it's here to help you. It's here to make things better. Cancer, you know, it's cancer treatment. 
that actually has found cancer. And it isn't until it is too late that you realize I'm like, everything just got fucked. Yeah. Everything did. Because you're you in know, space, too. I mean, There's nowhere to go. Yeah. Ugh. That's a, that's something. Just the idea of being stranded in space. Yeah. It it echoes a lot of um, Jaws, too, right? Where a lot of the horror was off camera for a little while. Jaws, mm-hmm. you don't really see the, the shark for the most of the film, which is what makes it so scary. Yeah. You know there's something out there. And you know it doesn't have the like it has evil intentions, but because you don't, you can't actually see it. And this kind of goes back to what you're saying before about like uh, Gabe and uh, Chucky being small, and you can't quite see where they're coming from. And it's like they feed, it feeds into they live as well. Where like because you can't see it, but you know something is evil out there. You don't know how to prepare yeah. for it. Right. Like if there's a fire or something, you can go get the fire extinguisher and put it out. You know how to deal with certain things like that. When there's something evil and it's just quote unquote out there, (laughs) then you're toast. Well, it's like it's 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 interesting because, you know, remember we were talking last week and we talked about paranormal activity and how I was asking, I was like, why didn't they just leave the house? Why did they choose to stay in the house? Um, which is the age old question of any horror movie. I was like, why did you not just leave? Um, but 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 that's that actually lends itself to one of my other favorite monsters, which wasn't even really a monster because I refused to see the second movie, um, was the witch from the Blair Witch Project. Mm. Like their whole was them. It was them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they were basically doing it to themselves, but being controlled by this entity and there's no getting out of it. There's no getting around it. There's no escaping it. And, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what's causing it. You never really see her mm-hmm. in the movie, you know? And that's, that's so terrifying because you get to the end of it and you're like, okay, if you were actually able to, if you were somebody who was able to escape, would you rationalize your way out of it? That, that somebody within the group, like, it was not anything that was paranormal, but actually just something very normal. And, you know, somebody went crazy, you know, and managed to do all this. Or, you know, do you, you know, like, what do you believe? Because in those sorts of instances, like we, the way we survive things is rationalizing around them. Or like in the case of something that is extra traumatic, our brains actually shut down and make us not remember it. That's for a reason. Mm-hmm. Trauma. You know, there's a reason car accidents or whatever um so and so it's like it's terrifying to me to think that it's like you're there's you think you're trying to find a way out and there's no way out and you can't tell that there's no way out there's nothing that there's nothing there to inform you that there's no way out it's just that there's no way out Mm -hmm. you know it's just you're just in a forest you know and you think you're walking you're walking in the direction back from where you came from, but you're actually not, but you are, but you aren't, you know? And it's like, you don't realize that you're, you're trapped in this until it's too late. And they never really know what causes it. And they're there to investigate the Blair Witch. That she, that whole concept freaks me out. Yeah. It's the classic um, curse, right? You know, the whole thing of like, if you go into the mummy's tomb or something like that, Indiana Jones, certain things like that, there's curses. And a curse is incredibly hard to, quote-unquote, fight, like you said. Because 
you can kill uh, Jason and Freddy and Michael Myers, and we've seen them killed number of n- number of times. And at the end of every movie, they get the head chopped off and those kind of things. And it seems like everything is good, and then the sun comes up and everybody goes home. But with it's, when it's a curse, um, then it becomes a lot more difficult to quote unquote negotiate and to deal with and to put that fire out. I'm trying to think of to think of some movies like where. Well, I mean. It's funny because I'm like I'm trying to think of some movies where it's like I wanted to say like well with curses you know it's it's like if you know if you know specifically where it comes from like what the curse was it was put on and like that's it's like that's that's the hard line of being able to get out of it and I'm and my first I was like okay well what are examples of that and the first thing that popped in my head was like well Harry Potter I'm like no I'm not bringing Harry Potter into this well because <laughs> the reason I brought up curse too was because my last uh, monster um, I actually like this mm-hmm. monster too a lot is Incredible Hulk. Uh, specifically the 70s TV show, the 70s, 80s TV show, the 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 description for the TV show, the TV guide description is uh, David Banner, a fugitive scientist, has the curse of becoming a powerful green monster under emotional uh, under extreme emotional stress. He is the Incredible Hulk. So it's kind of a weird thing because it says David Banner is a fugitive scientist. And then at the end, it's like he is the Hulk. So by the time you get to the end of the description, he's transformed into the Hulk. And that was the other thing, too, with, like, this, like, rage that he couldn't control um, where, like, it would cause so much havoc. And, yes, he obviously is, like, quote-unquote helping people and fighting for... He was fighting for, like, homeless people in the TV show. In the movies, he's part of the Avengers, and he's kind of a good guy. But he does blunder through things a lot, and it is kind of a curse where, like, he has this other side to his personality... Uh, again, that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing where like he can't yeah. quite control it. That harkens itself a lot to like other curses out there where like that, you know, it's, it's this thing that you, you know, yeah. In some, in some mythologies for werewolves where they show up the, like in, in true blood, they had control over, actually control mm-hmm. over their war and having like, and keeping their, um, why can't I think of the word? They're they're keeping their minds, you know, they're you know, their autonomy, you know, keeping that. Um, even in werewolf form, whereas a lot of them, that's not the case. Like they become an animal. Mm-hmm. They become an animal that's completely by instinct. Um, and you can't stop it. You know, you can't stop it. You know, you know, you've got to chain yourself up or or whatever, you know, to to uh, to escape that or or. I guess escape is, I mean, escape is the right word, but it's also the wrong word, but it's like a curse that you're stuck with. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with forever until it kills you or doesn't. Like gremlins. This is In all the ones where they're like, we just become an animal, they rarely is it ever written that when they become this animal that they remember what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have this actually basically once a month turn into a killing machine and you have no memory of what, of, of, what you did in that state you have no idea what you've done no none yeah that's a horrible way to live horrible way to live although that's not my you know that's not my my monster that's not my final one my final one i'm like and and yes i i have a you know i have a type i have a pattern (laughs) um it's gonna you know i'm you know i talked about last year like my favorite my my favorite of all like like practically every stephen king whatever out there but it's it's Annie from yeah. Misery. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's almost like Norman Bates because Nor- there's nothing supernatural about it. He's just crazy. Yeah. Um, self crazy. It's not like in The Shining where it's the hotel that makes him crazy. He's just crazy. She's the same way. Mm-hmm. Nothing made crazy. I mean, like if you watched, um, Castle Rock, if you are season two of Castle Rock and saw the origins of of you know of Annie. You see a little bit like what drove her to be crazy, but still she, she's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and she, she presents in this, this just, this mild mannered, well, it starts out that way, you know, just maybe a little quirky because, you know, she lives alone in the woods, you know, but there are people in town that know her, you know, it's like, she's known, she's not a, she's not a complete stranger. She knows the sheriff. She knows people in town. And yet she's completely shit. Mm-hmm. And you, he, and he's, he's in that situation where, you know, he's at her mercy. And so at the beginning, it's like, thank you. You know, he's helping her because he was in a car accident. That was not her fault. She, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, but she's, you know, and he's, he doesn't have a way to escape because not only does he have no way to communicate with the outside world? He is injured to the point where he couldn't, like, he can't leave the woods. He can't leave the house. He physically, on his own two feet, even before she, like, took a sledgehammer or in the book, cut them off, you know, even before she did that, he had no, he could not have been able to get out on his own two feet. Mm-hmm. And so he's completely, this crazy, 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 crazy person's mercy. Um, you know, and it's actually not too different than I'm like, she's how a lot of old school mental institutions, how these people would, you know, the people that work there would present themselves to the people, the outside world, things that they were doing to these poor people on the inside who had no wherewithal to be able to save themselves. And nobody believed them because that they were, you know, they were mentally handicapped or stable or whatever it was. People, people weren't going to believe them anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's that whole thing. It's, it's for all intents and purposes, it's an invalid. And, you know, an invalid who's being trapped by their caretaker. Um, And she's just, and the links that she goes to and takes, doesn't just trap him, doesn't just try and keep him, but takes something that he loves, something that is his, something that has been his life's work into the evil, you know? Um, And so I just... What makes her terrifying as well is she also believes that she's, I guess, right or righteous. There's that one scene yeah. where he gets out of the the bed, out of the bedroom, and he finds her scrapbook. And it was, um, this is in the movie. I can't remember the book that well, but in the movie, and he finds her scrapbook, and there's like uh, a number. Was it children or was it seniors that was she was killing? She was mercy killing, basically. Like it's insinuated. She was killing children. Killing children, and so. Like, she believed that she was, quote-unquote, doing a right thing, like putting these children out of their misery, right? And she yeah. was doing the same thing with uh, with the writer, with Scott Kahn. And, like, she was nursing him back to health, but she kept him in this prisoner, and she hobbled him, and she did all these things. But in her twisted sense of, like, her, her convoluted mind, her psycho mind, she was righteous. She was doing good things. That's even, like, more terrifying because it's not just that she's crazy or she's psycho. It's that her 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 ethics are completely unbalanced. She's like uh, 
you know, like when the Earth is like spun off its axis and it's just floating into space. That's what her ethics were like. But it, 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 I think what makes it more terrifying is that people like that actually do exist in the world. They hide behind their 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 view of how their religion works as justification for murder. I mean, yeah. like the Spanish Inquisition, perfect example of that. Like people hide behind it, and like and like you know, people who go and say, "Well, you know, you're evil, you're dirty," you know, it's where conversion therapy comes from. It's people who blow up. Pl- Planned Parenthood. It's like they think that they're justified in killing these people because they're they're dirty. Like what mm-hmm. she she calls them dirty birds, and you know where she is not and she is righteous. So you know she's doing the Lord's work, which is just a like you said, it's completely spun off its access viewpoint of what she's using as her ballast. So and it's terrifying because people like her exist in the world. People like her do things. Maybe not specifically what she did. But people, you know, um, but people like her who hide behind their righteousness as an excuse to do these things. Mm-hmm. Walk and talk every day. And by the way, you said this last week. And for some reason, I was like, I think that's wrong. And then you said it again just now. I must correct you. It's not Scott Kahn. That's his son. It's James Kahn. I'm like, why does that not sound oh. right? Why do I think that's his Okay. I can't remember. James Kahn, you're right. Scott <laughs> Kahn is the son. Oh, man, I'm giving the son too much credit. Hawaii 5-0. All right. Maybe I'm wrong, and then I forgot to go look to see if I was wrong. And then you said again, all of a sudden, I'm like, it still sounds wrong. Why? I'm like, and then it like popped into my head. I never remember. All um, right. But yeah, it's the, the, that's people, those sorts of situations, completely non paranormal, mm-hmm. scary movies are just unnerving and terrifying because of what and and i think it i and i don't know if it makes it worse you know because we see that you know we'll see movies about you know like the there's a movie that um jeremy renner was in a bajillion years ago dahmer one of the first things he ever did where you know like that's based on a real person you know Mm it's like the zodiac killer like all these kinds of things i'm like these are these are you know, biopics for all intents and purposes about actual people who did actual horrible, awful things. Mm-hmm. But then you look at these movies that are not based on horrible, awful people that existed in the world, but something that came from someone's imagination, like like Stephen King. You know, coming up with, um, uh, you know, for coming up with Misery or or Psycho or Seven. Seven is an excellent example. Like he was not, there was nothing paranormal, nothing supernatural about that. And it was one of the most, I've seen, I've seen it one time. I will never, ever, ever watch that movie again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've seen it. That's, it is burnt. And I saw it 20 years ago, at least it is burned into my head for the rest of my life. I will never watch again. And it also harkens back to that one I was talking about last week. I told you, you should go watch funny games. The original funny games. Right. Because they're not supernatural are just crazy yeah and terrifying to me that yeah. that i think the touch of real world is terrifying yeah seven is terrifying because almost all the stuff happens off camera he never actually kills anybody on camera right which is nope. like that's even more scary because your mind fills in the gaps right and so 
when you try to describe Seven to people, it's just like two cops chasing the serial killer. That's basically what the movie is. And it sounds like every other movie that's been made since like the 80s, basically, right? But when you actually watch it, it is incredibly creepy and incredibly sinister. But quote unquote, nothing actually happens on camera. What's the, what was the sin? The, was it, it wasn't glut, I can't remember. Gluttony was a fat guy who ate too much until his stomach burst. I'm thinking about the one that he could like chain him down for a year and like the room is filled with um, sloth air freshener. Sloth. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I knew it was seven. Very sloth. Um, that I think is probably the, I personally think is the best example of what you're talking about because everything else could have just been like, it happened in an evening. It happened quickly, mm-hmm. but that one didn't mm-hmm. year on for a year. So like what it's like that was that was his misery, you know, it's like what was hap- what happened to this? It's like you we've all thought, you know, you see torture in films or you hear about torture that's done on people torture, like people being tortured. But even still, even if someone is tortured for hours or days, it still is over in a fairly short amount of time. This person was tortured, truly horrifically tortured for a year mm-hmm. and, and so and you're right you know it's like what happened what was the what was he doing to him that got him to that state and it's just i think you're right i think it's the fact that you never actually see him do any of these things you only see the aftermath of it um and and it, they're just, they're just, I, I know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to how gruesome they are. Horrifying and gruesome they are. Yeah. All burned into my brain. So we will leave it on that happy note there. Uh, so those are our top five monsters. As you can see, we kind of veer into a few other ones, including uh, Kevin Spacey and Seven and a couple other ones. Uh, so uh, thank you for hanging out. This has been a fun Halloween season to kind of go into these movies, into these creatures and monsters and terrifying uh, events and experiences. Uh, so I, I've been Sammy. I have been uh, possibly sentient being Stephanie. Oh, nice. And there we go. Even though we covered quite a bit, there's always room for more. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs>